Welcome to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and CFRC.ca. I'm your host, Timmy G, providing your weekly dose of insight and inspiration for mental and emotional well-being. Are you ready for your weekly brain bath? Let's go. Mental health news from around the globe. talk. I'm your host, Timmy G. The news for today out of Fredericton. New Brunswick entrepreneurs are encouraging others to reach out with their mental health difficulties to establish a safe space. Sean Smith, the founder and CEO of Don't Dis My Ability Consultant Services, hopes to get the conversation started but knows entrepreneurs have a harder time finding the right people to talk to. He says, our family and our friends, even our partners, mean very well, but they're not going through what we're going through. At a Bell Let's Talk event last Thursday at the Ville Cooperative in Fredericton, four panelists were joined by a group of entrepreneurs to discuss the unique pressures put on those who, in Smith's words, hustle to make that business go no matter what it takes. One attendee described how he doubled the hours he was working after an advisor told him he wasn't doing enough and then started to burn out but didn't feel that he had anyone to speak to. Karen Murdoch used to work at Planet Hatch and is now with Expedition Technologies, which is a software services company. Uh, One of the panelists, she said entrepreneurs need to feel comfortable talking about their struggles. It's not an embarrassment or something to feel weak about, she said. You need to be strong to be able to come up to somebody and talk to them about those things. Joe Trevers is a founder at Denner Media, speaker at PTSD Programmed, and matchmaker at Interviews on Demand. He also had difficulties finding someone to speak about the stress that he was under, at times acting like nothing was wrong, despite very poor mental health. He said, wearing suits and everything, life is great. You're shaking hands and I'm connecting with you and you before I leave tonight. And then I'm going to jump in my brand new Explorer off the dam so people just couldn't believe it. Obviously going through some very difficult times. People in attendance noted the stigma against mental health discussions still applied and made safe spaces so important. Smith said when it came down to it, You could be affected financially, along with your credibility and your stability. You don't want to get screwed over. You don't want to make the wrong deal. You don't want to divulge too much to the wrong person. So when it comes to mental health, I wonder if people think somehow, in some way, it could be used against them at a later date. Despite the inclusion of Bell Let's Talk in the event title, many attendees were skeptical of the positive impact of the annual campaign and raised other concerns. Al Sturgeon, a panelist and vice president of business development at MESH slash diversity and a co-founder at Expedition, said, Bell had this big event and what happens after the talk? I think that's where a lot of people wonder what happens afterwards. Bell Let's Talk has been receiving backlash in recent years, 
with sound-offs and editorials in places like the Globe and Mail and a 2017 article from CBC stating, you make the assumption that Bell Let's Talk is supposed to help, but Bell is a business, a business making money, but all of this is done under the guise of health. Yesterday, Bell talked the talk. Today, I want us to walk the walk, according to Smith. He's in the process of putting together a proposal for funding to begin a group for entrepreneurs to come and talk to one another in a safe space as part of walking the walk. Despite, credi- uh, despite crediting the Ballads Talk campaign with starting the conversation, he still thinks it's a smokescreen. People want to experience our suffering. They want to see our suffering in order to be able to contextualize it. Smith went on to say, everybody knows somebody with a disability or a mental health issue. Statistically, it's impossible not to. But for some reason, we still tend to look the other way. That from Stephanie Lyons Sirwa, freelance writer in Fredericton. You are listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. If you want to listen to past episodes of Talk, simply go to the CFRC Podcast Network, listen to many wonderful interviews on Talk, but also some of our other great programmers here at CFRC uh, 101.9. Also in the news, this from, where are we? The Guardian out of the UK. I've shared information on this topic before, but I think it's worth Continuing to feature this information, this particular topic, gut bacteria may have impact on mental health. A uh, study has uh, divulged research opens the door to possible treatments for depression based on probiotics. Microbes that set up home in the gut may have an impact on mental health, according to a major study into well-being and the bacteria that live inside us. Researchers in Belgium found that people with depression had consistently low levels of bacteria known as, wish me luck here, coprococcus and dialister. It wasn't too bad, actually. Whether they took antidepressants or not, if the preliminary findings stand up to further scrutiny, could pave the way for new treatments for mental health disorders based on probiotics that boost levels of good bacteria in the intestines. Juran Reyes of the Flanders Institute for Biotech and the Catholic University of Leuven drew on medical tests and GP records to look for links between depression, quality of life, and microbes lurking in the feces of more than a thousand people enrolled in the Flemish Gut Flora Project. He found that two kinds of bugs, namely Fecalobacterium and Coprococcus, were both more common in people who claimed to enjoy a high mental quality of life. Meanwhile, those with depression had lower than average levels of Coprococcus and Dialister. The study reported in Nature Microbiology does not prove that gut microbes affect mental health, It is possible that the effect works the other way around, with a person's mental health having an impact on the bugs that thrive inside them. But in follow-up experiments, Rays and his team found evidence that gut microbes can at least 
talk to the human nervous system by producing neurotransmitters that are crucial for good mental health. He goes on to say, we studied whether gut bacteria in general would have a means to talk to the nervous system by analyzing their DNA. And we found that many can produce neurotransmitters or precursors for substances like dopamine and serotonin. Both dopamine and serotonin have complex roles in the brain and imbalances have long been linked to depression. Microbes that live outside the body, for example, those found in soils, are not able to make the same kinds of neurotransmitters, Reyes said, perhaps because they did not co-evolve with humans and learned to benefit from tapping into their host's nervous system. If low levels of the bacteria are to blame for at least some depression, it opens the door to probiotic treatments that boost their populations in the gut. But Reyes said the connection has to be proved first. That will involve growing the bugs in the lab to see what substances they make, testing their effects in animals, and treating them with tailored probiotics. Only then could scientists consider human trials. In two separate reports, both published in Nature Biotech, scientists in China and UK-Australian collaboration described how they sequenced the DNA of more than 100 new species of gut microbes. The work amounts to the most comprehensive list of human gut bacteria to date. The vast catalog of human gut bugs will help scientists to identify which bacteria are in patients' bodies and drive research into new treatments for conditions as broad as IBS or irritable, irritable bowel syndrome, allergies, and obesity. You are listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM. I am your host, Timmy G, and we're looking at the last article in the news for today before we get into a great interview with a fine woman named Carla and a very impressive event that is coming up. But first, this from the star in Vancouver, tackling mental health stigma in the Asian diaspora one post at a time. It's an unspoken rule for many families in the Asian diaspora. Mental health is taboo, so don't bring it up at the dinner table. Lindsay Wong, age 31, who grew up in a, grew up in a Chinese-Canadian household in the Vancouver suburb of Coquitlam, said, It was taught to me that it only affected weak people. Her family went to tremendous lengths to hide her grandmother's schizophrenia, not to mention her aunt's psychotic break, which prompted an eight-hour standoff with police and shut down Vancouver's Iron Workers Memorial Bridge on Canada Day in 2008 as she threatened to jump. Her mother, deeply superstitious, blamed it all on the, quote, woo-woo, end quote. Wong said there was this Horrible, shameful secrecy about it. It was always blamed on ghosts or possessions. Wong is the author of a 2018 memoir called The Woo Woo, How I Survived Ice Hockey, Drug Raids, Demons, and My Crazy Chinese Family. So it's not surprising that young people in the Asian diaspora are creating new ways to reach peers who experience everything from anxiety to depression 
and other mental illnesses through modes of communication favored by millennials, millennials, got it, millennials, like texting and Facebook groups. In Vancouver, the Color Project aims to reach people of all backgrounds who are struggling with their mental health. Users will enter their cell phone numbers into an online portal, which is about to go into beta testing, and one of 10 trained volunteers from diverse backgrounds will reply by text. Founders Ian Wong, age 29, a dentistry student and business analyst Amanda Fang, age 28, were motivated to help other people after experiencing anxiety and depression themselves and helping other friends and family go through similar things. Every day we experience another bout of anxiety. It gives us the power and the courage to continue to build the Color Project so that we can help individuals out there who may be struggling and don't know who to turn to for help. Diaspora communities aren't well reflected in mainstream mental health campaigns like the annual Ballots Talk campaign. There are some mental health resources for immigrant communities such as uh, BC Psychological Association Workshop in English and in Mandarin, uh, teaching how to be a mental health ambassador. Uh, This is scheduled for February this month at the Richmond Public Library. But there's not a lot of research about how members of the Asian community deal with mental health issues, says Betty Young, 27, who completed her master's thesis on the topic this year. Her paper, published in December 2018 by the University of Ottawa, focused on five second-generation Chinese-Canadian women living in a city in eastern Canada and their attitudes toward mental health. Jung did not specify their location in order to ensure anonymity. All five had positive attitudes toward counseling for their mental health issues, but said they would keep it a secret from their parents. You are listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. A few last points here from this article in the Star out of Vancouver. Many second-generation immigrants immigrants battle the shame associated with mental illness in two cultures. They just uh, don't just face the stigma associated with mental health in Canada, but often there's also a lot of stigma within the family, and that usually becomes internalized. According to Jung, a counselor at the WAVAW Rape Crisis Center in Vancouver, Uh, She said it can lead to feelings of shame, guilt, self-loathing, and esteem issues. Anonymity helps with one aspect of that barrier to counseling and services. Two months ago, Alex Nguyen, 24, and Garfield J. Franco, age 25, were fresh out of university when the San Francisco Bay Area friends got the idea to build off the wildly popular Facebook group Subtle Asian Traits and foster a new group, Subtle Asian Mental Health Support. At first, it was like many other online groups, a place for people to rant about their struggles. But during a manic episode that provided a burst of energy, Franco, who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder last year, decided to draft 10 rules to make the online environment more supportive. Number three makes it clear 
this is purely an Asian space because mental health is serious in our communities. And number eight, discourages dismissive and insensitive comments like, hey, I had it worse than you, and what do you have to be so sad about? More than 12,000 people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, and other countries have since joined the group. They post heart-wrenching stories, such as students who feel a sense of worthlessness because they don't meet academic expectations, and as young adults whose parents threaten to disown them if they move out before marriage. Some people disclose a mental health diagnosis, while others are simply looking for validation and support. In Edmonton, uh, moderator Teresa Chan points to the group's sudden popularity as proof of the huge gap in mental health programs specifically aimed at youth of Asian descent. We're learning how to unpack years of intergenerational trauma and intercultural differences. From what I've seen, we are the generation who is learning to process it, said Franco. For now, they're working on a how-to guide for youth of Asian descent who want to talk to their families about mental health struggles. For many, it is one of the most daunting things they will ever face in their young lives. You are listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM. I am your host, Timmy G., we will be back in a minute. In 2017, CFRC Radio celebrates 95 years of creating Campus Community Radio in Kingston, Ontario. Over the last 95 years, CFRC's governance has evolved. Once supervised by Queen's University and later by Queen's Alma Mater Society, since 2014, CFRC has been an independent, self-governing, not-for-profit organization. Its board of directors has representation from Queen's University, the AMS and SGPS, CFRC Radio Club, and the Kingston community. Learn more about CFRC, Canada's longest-running campus and community radio station at cfrc.ca. Telephone Aid Line Kingston is a crisis, distress, befriending, and information listening service based in Kingston. Talk is confidential, non-judgmental, and anonymous. We are a safe place to call when you don't know where to turn. To reach our aid line between 7 p.m. and 3 a.m., call 613-544-1771. For volunteering information, please email talkrecruitment at gmail.com. If you like great music from the 60s and 70s and good covers, Listen to Frankly Speaking, music to tickle your memory bone, on Fridays at 1 p.m. on CFRC Radio. Let's get personal. Our talk feature interview. pleased to welcome Carla Riley Moore. Carla is the Director of Operations with Happy Tales Farm Sanctuary in Harrowsmith. Carla, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So 
I have two daughters and they are animal lovers. And my oldest daughter, she's eight. She says she wants to be a vet when she gets older. And so I'm curious as a dad to see how long that sticks, but I know (laughs) she would be fascinated by what you guys are doing and the good that you're bringing to the community and to the lives of animals. So take us back in time and tell us how did this all start? Absolutely. Well, first off, kudos to your daughter. That's a great profession. Um, We need lots of uh, compassionate veterinarians out there. Um, I have always been an animal lover. And as a young child, I also wanted to be a veterinarian. And um, I loved the animals that I knew in my life, cats and dogs and even bunny rabbits. Um, I didn't know a lot about farm animals at the time. And my mom used to take me to our local humane society so that we could um, take the dogs for a walk and pet them and whatnot. So really, it was fostered in me uh, from a young age. And then as I got older and moved out, I started working in um, dog rescue. So mostly rescued uh, puppy mill dogs. So I'd take them in, rehabilitate them, and get them all ready to go into new homes. Um, And it was during that time that I really started looking into other animals, and I found out that farm animals uh, honestly don't have a lot of rights, so there's not a lot of laws to protect them. Um, And so I decided to leave the dog rescue um, lifestyle behind to the other very amazing people out there and move more into a farm uh, animal rescue mode, uh, just because there was a hole there and, and it needed to be filled and um, so that's kind of how I got into that direction. Um, and if I may keep going, <laughs> it's yeah. a long story. Um, so um, about seven years ago, I went on a first date uh, with my now husband. And we were talking about our five-year goals. And uh, I said that I wanted to open uh, an animal rescue, a farm animal rescue. And he said he did too. So um, Cupid really hit there, I think, for both of us. And fast forward a couple of years, we started uh, looking for a home together, um, got married and started looking for a home together. And um, and we did that with the idea of opening a sanctuary. So we wanted it in the country with barns and whatnot and property. And we did. We found the perfect property in Harrowsmith. And, uh, and now here we are. We're a registered charity with um, uh, more than 70 animals on site, as well as a network of foster homes. Um, and we are a volunteer-run registered charity, and uh, it's our mandate to save abused, neglected, abandoned farm and some domestic animals, as well as provide services um, and education to our community. So uh, we do that through a lot of different ways. Uh, we offer programs for children in the summer. We um, uh, open up our sanctuary for students to come and learn during the the warm weather months, um, schools come in. Our local YMCA brings their camp kids here in the summer. Um, so all the, we even go into classrooms, actually, and, and talk to kids about animals as well. Hmm. I was telling my daughters at the dinner table last night about happy tales, and they were like, when can we go? When can we go? <laughs> I said, well, we've got to wait till the weather's a little bit nicer. And then they said, what kind of animals do they have? So maybe you could tell us about what kind of animals you have. Sure. We have a plethora of animals. Um, So we have uh, cats and dogs. As I mentioned, we do take in some domestic animals and rabbits. But we also have potbelly pigs. So those are the pigs that people, many people believe will stay small, but they don't. And then they grow up. And then we have the big farm pigs. Our largest pig is a thousand pounds. So those uh, potbelly pigs sometimes called mini pigs are only mini compared to their thousand pound farm cousins. Um, 
And then we have alpacas, sheep, goats. Uh, we have ducks, chickens, turkeys, guinea fowl. Um, and yeah, so I'm thinking the list will probably grow as time goes on. We need the infrastructure, of course, to be able to house more animals and different species. Um, but right now, I think we're at our cap for animals, and we're really focusing now on our community and offering education programs. And when I mentioned alpacas to my daughter, <laughs> they're like, what are they? Can you describe what that is? Absolutely. They're like mini llamas. So if you can think of the llama with the shaggy body and the big long neck, uh, those big eyes with the eyelashes, alpacas look exactly like that. They're in the same family. They're just smaller. Uh, they're probably, well, they range, but ours are, are the size of a, a body size of perhaps a Great Dane with a very long neck. Mm. Yeah, they're really cute. And so you've been contacted by various universities to use your facilities. Is that that's true. You know, actually, we two years ago, we had Queen's University engineering students come in because they were working on a project for a pig that lived in El Salvador. And this pig had um, gotten into some trouble with some industrial machinery and had a horrific accident and, and could no longer walk. So these students were trying to figure out to, make, to, to design some type of contraption in order to be able to help this pig be more mobile, which is incredible. So they contacted us because the problem was none of these kids had ever seen a pig in real life, nor had they ever been to a farm. They were all city kids. They came to, to Queens to study. Um, so they asked if we could help them and give them information. So instead of that, we said, well, absolutely, but come on out. Come on out and see what a pig looks like. So they came out to actually study the animals. We took them out to the pastures with different pigs of different sizes so they could study their movements and uh, do take measurements. And really, sit, they sat with them all afternoon to get a really good idea about basically how they move so that they could then take that back for their research. Um, and, and that was during uh, September, so it was still nice weather. Um, we're also, we are also contacted by other departments within Queen's University and most recently Trent University to come in and study animals. But our problem is they usually want to do that, of course, during our off season, so during the winter. We don't have anywhere to put them. Um, we can't really put them in the barn and it's just, it's too cold and you don't want to like make a big trip and come out if it's inclement weather and you just have to turn around and go home again. So basically that's where we're stuck. We're, we're only able to offer these services to the community during the summer months or during the warm weather. Uh, we're kind of stuck otherwise. Hmm. Well, I think it's, the things that I would never think of, like here you've got students coming who have never seen a pig before because <laughs> they want to study a pig so they can develop this device. Like it's just fascinating, really. It is. It is. I was blown away by them. Um, it was an incredible group of, of young uh, adults. And uh, I, I don't know how it turned out, but I hope that they were successful. And so a lot of the work we do with talk, really the show is predicated upon the idea that there's a lot of different mental health issues out there in the world and we're mm -hmm. becoming more and more aware of kids, adults, everyone dealing with different things at different times in their life. And so uh, frequently on talk, we have people sharing personal stories of things they've gone through, but also we have professionals on to speak about the work that they're doing in the field. How does your uh, sanctuary, what's the tie-in with mental health and, and, and um, supporting people in that regard? Sure. So people may not think of it, but actually there is a huge tie-in with our sanctuary and mental health. 
first off, there is study after study after study that proves that there is uh, an incredible benefit to humans uh, just being around animals, being able to touch them, and being near their calming presence. Um, that's why we have um, therapy animals, right? Because of that. Um, it's just there's an incredible link between healing and animals. Um, at our sanctuary, we've actually partnered with the uh, military, so the Canadian Forces, in their rehabilitation reintegration program that offers military personnel um, with disabilities like PTSD or even physical disabilities that were obtained in the line of duty uh, to come out and work with the animals as a way of healing themselves. Many of these incredibly brave men and women were injured, you know, serving, and they can no longer do certain things. For example, we have a gentleman that was in the military. For, he's been in for 28 years. He's been to war three times, and he suffers horribly from post-traumatic stress syndrome as well as anxiety. He can't handle being around people, but he wanted to be around animals because he had read about that animal-human connection. He'd never been around farm animals before, but we had, uh, uh, before meeting him, had already partnered with them. So they brought us up to him, and he was very happy to, to check it out. He's been with us for about five months now, and he calls this his happy place. He comes at least three times a week, and he does the animal chores, so the, the basic feeding them and giving care to them, but he also sits with them and pets them and touches them and talks to them. And he actually wrote me a beautiful letter yesterday to say that it is the only place where he can just sit down and talk without feeling judged. And he'll talk to them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, a, it's, it's just been an incredible experience for him. And when he is discharged from the military, he plans on getting a property and rescuing animals himself. And not as a sanctuary open to the public, but just to rescue them, to rescue them, and then, of course, because of the healing benefit. Mm. And I can speak, actually, from personal experience uh, about the, uh, the, the, incredible, uh, um, the incredible healing power of animals. In 2015, I was in a horrible car accident and broke several discs in my back. And um, I was going through physiotherapy and acupuncture and all of those things. In fact, did that for years, and it just did not get better. And one of the things I needed to do, I was supposed to do as per physio, was yoga. So I would go out because I I couldn't really drive into the city, driving flared it. And I was starting to get depressed because I I was a personal trainer (laughs) when this happened. And basically, I had to just end my whole career. Everything kind of ended uh, when this happened. And when you have a chronic pain, you can get depressed. So I was both mentally and physically broken. And I was doing yoga out in our pastures with some of our animals. And this particular day, it was sunny, and the, and there was butterflies, and the birds were chirping. I could hear the, the roosters crowing, and the, the, the grazing animals were munching grass around me. And I just felt this incredible feeling of peace. And, and I thought, I can offer this to other people that are hurting, because everybody's hurting in some way. Right. Like it might not mean depression. It might not be a bipolar disorder. It might not be PTSD, but we're all a little broken. Let's face it. Life's tough. 
Mm-hmm. And and so we actually started offering yoga in the meadow for people with a trained yoga instructor, because I'm not one, um, mm-hmm. out at the sanctuary, so that they could come and just feel that, what I felt. And it's become a very popular program. It's, um, it's pretty incredible. And although I will always, uh, my doctors have told me I, I'll always suffer with chronic pain, um, being able to do this myself and to being able to serve our community and others and to give them our little piece of heaven in some way, it just makes me feel better. It, it, it really helps me. So healing others really help me. Another thing is the animals that are here have almost all come from abuse, neglect. And so they themselves require rehabilitation. So when you have people that themselves need rehabilitation, rehabilitating animals, it's an incredible thing. It's, when I think of that vision of yoga in the meadow it just sounds so nice and cozy (laughs) it is Um, it is yeah i I run a support group every thursday night it's called mindwell support group it's for anybody it's a free drop-in for folks dealing with anxiety depression stress burnout whatever it may be and so um, we recently had a gentleman come in from the belleville area his name is jason mccoy he's a meditation expert i was actually talking uh communicating with him yesterday and and felt so inspired by what I was learning about happy tales that I mentioned quite intrigued about what's going on out there and, and want to come and check it out. So, Well, I can absolutely see some type of partnership there. Um, you'd want to do it uh, in the warmer months because otherwise you'll have to go in the barn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that brings us to a great event that's happening this weekend and, and the need for some space. Uh, some space. <laughs> yeah. This weekend. I would love to. Thank you. So as I was mentioning, we can only offer our services um, to the public during the summer. So we're generally open May until October because we have nowhere to put people. So we need an education center. So we're going to build one. And in order to do that, we need to fundraise. So the kickoff to the education center fundraiser is actually this Saturday, February 9th. It's a live music event, and it will be held at Overtime Sports Bar at 5 to 10 p.m. And the live music, it's got live music, it's got belly dancing, it's got food, uh, we've got a silent auction. So uh, it's pretty incredible. The musicians are some of Kingston's best. So we have Spencer Evans, Tim Sheffield, John Torres, and the headliners are 80s enough. So it's guaranteed to be a really good time. Um, and these incredible musicians are donating their time and their talent to us so that we can put on this incredible fundraiser. Um, and then it gets even better because there is food. And the food mm-hmm. is supplied by Copper Branch. Everything's better with food, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Copper Branch Restaurant is a restaurant in Kingston, new uh, as of last July. And uh, so they're, they're catering it. And they're doing that, again, out of the goodness of their heart because they believe in what we do. So ticket price includes food. And then we also have our hors d'oeuvres that are donated by the Fromagerie on Glengarry. Um, and so they'll be, pro- they'll be providing all of the hors d'oeuvres. So all of the, the food is included. Um, we do have a little bake sale going on the side just as an extra way to, to raise money. Um, we have a silent auction. So our our business community, just it blows my mind that, that we have the support. And, you know, it all comes down to there's a need, and, and they see that. Um, last season, we had 900 visitors to the sanctuary. That's a lot of people. 
And all of our youth and children's programs are free or by donation because money should, ha money should never be a barrier to learning and to having fun and being in green space. Uh, I feel very, very strongly about that, and so does our board of directors. So we don't charge people. We have a donation bin, and they can put money in it or not because, of course, we run on donations. But we never charge for any type of youth programs. Um, and, and like I said, we do that because children should be able to have these experiences. We have a place that they can do that. We want to offer it. Um, so my husband and I started this, uh, and before we were a registered charity, we opened this with this vision uh, in mind. And we donate all of our time, our land, our barns to our community because, and to the animals because somebody has to and, uh, and somebody's us. So <laughs> we need a space to be able to put people though so that throughout the year school groups can come in and we can offer to more schools so that community groups can come in and use our space like yours, for example. Maybe you'd like to come in midwinter because that can be a dark time for a lot of people um, throughout these dark months. Maybe you'd like to come in and go snowshoeing and go for a walk with the alpacas out into the woods and then stop and have some hot chocolate in the education center. So that's our vision. Uh, we just need to build it, and mm. we need the help of our community and of our businesses um, so because there's a need for it, and we want to fill it, but we just need help. If you're listening right now, and you've got – there's a lot of people out there with money, and money that's sitting in places doing not a whole lot, and I'm sure that people who have extra funds in their life would like to be able to do something worthwhile with it. Here is an initiative that is – tremendously worthwhile from several different angles. And so even if you can't attend this Saturday, uh, Carla, people can still contribute, correct? They sure can. So uh, to get tickets to the event or to just donate to the fundraiser, you can simply go to our website at www.happytailsfarmsanctuary.ca and tails is T-A-I-L-S like a wagging tail. Um, they can do that. They can go to our Facebook page and kind of see also what we're all about. We post lots of videos. We post how-tos on animal care and whatnot. And that's simply facebook.com slash happy tails farm sanctuary. There's a donate button on there as well. Um, and if they can come to the event, again, the tickets are just $35. That includes all of that entertainment and food. And 100% of the money comes back to the Education Center fundraiser because the musicians and the restaurants have donated all of their products to us for free just because they believe in what we do. Mm. I, I also have to mention, I, we have received so much help from uh, Kingston Mortgage Solutions. Um, they are, they're our title sponsor and they have been behind us all of the way. And in fact, they had our brochures uh, designed and printed for us. So we have these special brochures specifically to the fundraiser and the education center. So if anybody's interested in, in having us mail you one of those, you can certainly reach out to us through our social media or our web our website. Okay. Carla, as I listen to you, I mean, yeah. it's obvious that you are passionate, enthusiastic. You're just brimming with energy about what you do. And I think there's a mm -hmm. lot of people out there that want to feel that way about what they're doing and they simply don't for whatever reason and so i have two questions for you sure first one is how did you find that place within yourself and the second question how did you summon the courage to follow through on it wow those are really big questions um 
Well, you know, I always loved animals. So starting the sanctuary was always my plan. But after I got into my car accident, I went into a, a dark place. Um, I went into that self, the poor me, the I've lost my career. I, you know, I, I used to be really into fitness and, uh, you know, I'm no longer able to exercise and oh no, oh no. And then I, I really realized that I am so lucky. Yeah, I don't, I can't do those things anymore, but I can do a lot. And there's people out there that have way less than me and are still happy. So why can't I be? And that's really where it started. I went down and sat with the animals. And as we rescued more, I saw these animals coming in broken, like working with animals like I do that come from a very bad, you see the worst of the worst. Mm. Watching them learn to walk again, to trust again, to to enjoy life again. I realized they have a spark and I have that spark. We all do. It's just learning how to harness it. And I swear, being around beings that can get past their crap, well, there's not, it really, it humbles you. It humbles you. And, and honestly, I also, um, you know, I just want to be able to offer what helped me so much to others. Um, animals and humans alike. It's, uh, we, were, we recently had some children in that were of a low-income socioeconomic background, and many had never been out of the city, never. And they came out here, and I'm going to tear up. <laughs> um, their little minds were blown to be able to run in a green space, to see animals they'd never seen, um, to, to play together, and to just be kids. Um, it, it was, it was mind blowing. And, and that's, and that's where it comes from, right? Like, I just want to be able to offer this to so many, so many kids. And we're actually offering summer camp this summer for children for free. Um, mm. just because I want all children to be able to have this experience. I couldn't do it. I had a single mom when growing up, I didn't have the experiences. I want to offer that. And uh, so that's a really long answer to your first question. Great answer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and can you remind me of the second? How, how did you, maybe you kind of answered it, but yeah. kind of how did you decide to summon the courage to follow through on this? Well, first off, I have a very supportive husband because, you know, um, we all, we, it's really, everything's easier with two. I, I was a single mom um, for quite some time. I know how hard it is with one. When you get a, a supportive person uh, beside you, you can move mountains. And uh, he believed in me and has supported me through all of it. Um, and, yeah, so I just started talking about it, um, telling people, um, you know, offering for people to come out, uh, contacting schools to let them know that it's here, that it doesn't cost anything, um, come out and bring the kids. And then it just started to snowball. And I guess I agree with you in that I do have a lot of passion. This isn't a paid position. I don't get paid for it, but I do. Um, I get paid in many other ways. And, and being able to pay that forward to others, people leave happy. You, you cannot leave here without a smile on your face. You mm -hmm. just can't. And, uh, and, and, and our, our service members from the military, they tell us that, you know, they come in the morning, sometimes it's hard to get out of bed, they leave here with a, with a, a little sprint in their step. And uh, that makes all of the hard work worthwhile. Well, you said something earlier that I think is so important, that 
I mean, you're right. Life is hard and we're all going to deal with things. And we are all in situations where we have certain expectations of how life is going to work out. And it doesn't always work out that way. And so you saying that, you know, instead of me focusing on the path and how I'm not getting certain things, how do I look to a new path and still carve out a little piece of happiness and paradise in this world and make that happen? And you've done that. Yes. Yes, we have. Yes. My whole family is behind me. So I actually have three sons and a young daughter. She's very young, just eight months old. We all do barn chores, except the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, last night our barn flooded, for example, and you can't just leave the water there. The animals need help. So my 17-year-old, my 13-year-old were shop vacuuming the water out and squeegeeing. And we had people from the community contact us and say, is your barn okay? Do you need help? So, you know, it's just a circle of, of helping. And, and, you know, once you start it, it's, it's, it's just, there aren't, there aren't words about really, I, it's hard to express the feeling of gratitude we have um, to the animals and to our community, to the, to all of the people that volunteer with us, um, to, to the local businesses that donate to our silent auctions and maybe even to our education center after this call. Um, you know, it's just a, just an incredible feeling of fulfillment. And, and that's really what pushed the darkness away because, um, being able to help others truly, truly was my path. And, uh, I, and I'm finally here. I'm in my forties. It took me a long time to find it, but <laughs> I have. <laughs> well, my message to anybody that's listening that may be struggling through something right now, maybe, may and I don't, I'm not in your shoes, so I can't speak to this, but I will just float out there based on kind of what Carla has shared with us that, Maybe part of that darkness is continuing to focus on what should have been instead of what could be. And so um, take some time to think about that. Carla, maybe you can just remind us again uh, what's happening this weekend before we wrap up for today. Yes, thank you so much. So again, it's the kickoff to our Education Center fundraiser with our live music event held at Overtime Sports Bar at 1677 Bath Road in Kingston, and it runs from 5 to 10 p.m. Tickets can be purchased on our website at www.happytalesfarmsanctuary.ca, or they can also be picked up at the Mutt Hut, a local business here, and uh, also, of course, at the door the night of. And I know you'd mentioned to me as well, because that's how I know about all of this, is through a mutual friend, Jeff. Uh, yes. Maybe mention Jeff's company and how important he's been. Oh, absolutely. So uh, a now friend of mine, uh, Jeff Stafford, uh, we met when he came out to our sanctuary. He came out with his daughter, who is a musician, and Lydia, and she was uh, playing at one of our events, just providing some music for our guests. So he came with her and he he was blown away at the community involvement. We had several people, hundreds of people there um, at the sanctuary. And um, he was just blown away by the animals and the feeling and the magic. And he wanted to help. Now, consequently, he is a co-owner to Kingston Mortgage Solutions. And so through his... Sorry. There's baby. <laughs> That's life. And through his... There she is again. Just let me shut the door. <laughs> 
Irving, Mary is her name. <laughs> and so through Kingston Mortgage Solutions and his network, he has been able to get the word out about our sanctuary, about this fundraiser, and has been just instrumental in, in helping guide me, because I generally do all of the background work, on areas uh, to go and able to reach people like you. So he was able to put us in contact and get this great interview underway. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. I hope this weekend is a huge success in the, the continuation of the fundraising, and I look forward to uh, bringing my girls out and seeing what's happening. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to meeting you in person someday. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you, Carla. AMHS KFLA's Vocational Services connect employers with skilled workers recovering from mental health challenges. This free program offers individual assessments, job preparation training, and placement. Employers are matched with qualified, reliable workers and receive ongoing support for hires as they lead their lives in positive new directions. For more information, call 613-544-1356 or visit amhs-kfla.ca. On CFRC 101.9 FM every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m., you'll hear Finding a Voice. My name is Bruce, host of that poetry-focused spoken word program. On it, you'll hear local readings and events, occasionally telephoned interviews across Canada, and always a touch of music. Again, Finding a Voice, here every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Check it out. Hope to catch you there. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addicton in offering confidential, quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388. This has been another edition of Talk with Timmy G on CFRC 101.9 FM and CFRC.ca. If you have any questions or feedback or would like to be featured on the show, please email me at info at timothydgoche.com. That's info at timothydgauther.com. Every Thursday from 7 to 8.30, I facilitate a free drop-in group called MindWell. It's a support group for anybody dealing with burnout, stress, anxiety, Again, that's every Thursday from 7 to 8.30. The address, 1111 Taylor Kidd Boulevard at St. Paul the Apostle. Till next week, be smart, be safe. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information, or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.